We give praise and glory in the house of God. Amen. You may be seated and turn your Bibles to Matthew's gospel, Matthew, then over to Ephesians, and then Hebrews chapter 12, as we begin a brand new series uh, dealing with marriage, relationships, and how to have a indestructible, unshakable life, marriage, and family. For the last 28 years, that's been our focus. So again, this morning, if you're single, this message is for you. If you're married, this message is for you. This is for everyone and everyone who wants a life that is unshakable, a life that is indestructible. Because here's what we all know. Storms come every day, every week, every month, every year into someone's life. Uh, just in the last 20 years, just kind of the highlights. Uh, don't raise your hand, but how many came here uh, because you went through Katrina back in 2005? And you lost everything, perhaps if you were from Plaquemines Parish or Jefferson Parish or Orleans Parish, or maybe even Lafouche Parish, and your life was turned upside down because this major storm came through your life. Or maybe in 2008, you know, when the bottom fell out financially and I met people and I know people and you know people who lost their savings and lost their 401k and they lost their retirement and they're going, I thought I was going to retire this year, but I have no money. And then of course, maybe years later, all of us in this room experienced what we call the great flood of 2016. And our lives were never the same. That storm came through. And a weekend in August of 2016, our lives were turned upside down. And many of us were not sure where to go or what to do. Uh, we felt like zombies, if you will, for several weeks. Like we we're still in shock. Like, did this, did this just really happen? Did I just lose everything that I ever worked for or owned? Did, I, did this just happen? And now what do I do? Then, of course, a few years later, all of us experienced the pandemic. We've never gone through that before. We stayed home, our kids stayed home, we didn't know what to do. Is it real, is it not real? Who's, you know, who's gonna catch it? You know, what do I do? If anybody sneezes, I gotta run. I mean, we go through all this, and now how do I handle this storm in my life? And the point simply is this. Jesus made it real clear, as you're about to read, that none of us are immune from storms. Storms are gonna come. But he said, here's the good news. If you build your house, you build your family, you build your marriage, you build your life, on the rock of his word. When the storms come, and come they will, he said, your house will stand. So this morning, we're gonna look at the unshakable, the indestructible life, marriage, and family that we all want and need as we build our house on the foundation of his word. And here's where we pick it up in Matthew's gospel, chapter seven, beginning now with verse 24. Matthew 7, 24 says this. Therefore, Jesus speaking here, Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now over to the book of Ephesians, a very familiar passage as the apostle Paul is writing about the power of relationships, the power of marriage, the outline, the blueprint, if you will, that God gives on how to have a marriage built upon the foundation of God's word. It says this, Ephesians 5, 28. So husbands ought also to love 
their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. And for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. And finally, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, as God deals with those things that will be shaken in our life, he says this, See to it that you do not refuse him who's speaking, for if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less shall we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things in order that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. How to have a life, a marriage, a family, a home, that is unshakable, indestructible, can only happen when you build upon the foundation of the very word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray your blessings upon us. I pray, O oh God, you would give us that solid foundation in life and in our marriages, in our relationships, in our home, that when the storms come, and come they will, we will be unshakable and indestructible, not because of who we are, because of what you have given and provided that we build our lives upon. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. My dad, who was a military man years ago, used to say that before there is the war, there is the battle. Before the war comes, it will be a battle. Even in nature, we know that before the hurricane hits, the squalls come. We know that before the major earthquake, there's often rumbles. We know that before the flood there is often a steady rain. The point is simply today, is it this, and that is today, we are living in a world that is shaking. Financial institutions are shaking. You look and read the headlines, you discover something that we are in this amazing national debt of over $30 trillion. And around the world, we are seeing financial institutions that are shaking. Universities are shaking. See, there was a time when you go to a university to exchange uh, academic ideas and receive good scholarship and, and hear the latest research, but today it's all about wokeism and fads and political correctness. Society's being shaken. No matter where you go in the world, crime, corruption, perversion, crime, corruption, perversion seem to be the norm. And so here is the point this morning. The point is this, shaking is often a warning. Shaking is often a warning of what is about to come. Shaking comes before judgment, and judgment comes before disaster. So today, marriage and family are being shaken like never before. The institution of marriage, the institution of the family is being shaken like never before. And the reason for that, many, is, is this, is because 
We again have forgotten that marriage was created, first of all, to be sacred. We have forgotten in our culture that marriage was created to be sacred. And you go, Mark, what, what do you mean by that? Isn't marriage sacred? I believe marriage is sacred, but we live in a culture that says not so much. Because I do lots of weddings. Over the years, I've done perhaps a thousand weddings. And almost at every wedding rehearsal, I'll hear someone say, well, it's just a piece of paper. It's just a piece of paper. Marriage, just a piece of paper. What? The very God who created marriage, who said, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. The first institution created by almighty, everlasting, holy God is just a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? Marriage is sacred, and we have forgotten that in our culture. Secondly, marriage is to be lifelong, isn't it? It's to be lifelong. And thirdly, it is to be filled with blessing, to be the path of love, if you will, again, that God has given so that we can know the very love of God in a unique and wonderful way. Mark, what does that just mean? It means this. And some of you never heard this, never learned this. God created marriage for so many reasons, but one of the reasons, and there's many, but one of the reasons is so that God could love you through her. And God can love you through him. That God's love goes pouring from God himself through you to your spouse. And God's love comes pouring through, from God through you to your spouse so that you have this amazing love of God like you've never known before and could never know before until marriage again. As this marriage hits you, as the love of God comes into your life in this amazing, wonderful way. You see, here's the point. It's the only relationship where all the expressions of love can be experienced. You see, there are four primary words for love. We've talked about this before, but four primary words for love. The first word, if you will, in the Greek language for love is agape. Now, again, in English, we only have one word for love, and that's love, right? But in the Greek language, there's four words for love. The first one is agape. It means unconditional love. It's the kind of love that God has for his people, the kind of love that God has for his children. God says, I'm going to love you not because you are deserving it or because you have performed in a way to, to have it, but I'm going to to love you because I am love and I am going to love you unconditionally because of who I am. It's unconditional love. The kind of love maybe that a parent has for a child, if you will, perhaps. But it's agape love, that unconditional love. Number two, and that is phileo. The kind of love you have between friends. Maybe you grew up with a friend all your life, went to grade school, high school, college, you know, served in their wedding, served in their, your wedding, back and forth. And you love this person. This person has been your best friend for years and years and years. You've experienced life together. You shared life together. You went through school together. You played on the same ball team or whatever. And this person you love is called a friendship or phileo love. Thirdly, they're store gay. It's a love between family members, if you will, between siblings, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, cousins, grandparents, aunts, uncles, this, this kind of love you have for your family, for your extended family, storge. And then the fourth type of love is eros, where we get the word erotic, intimate kind of love. 
And so here's the point, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, marriage is the only relationship where all four loves converge together. It is unlike any other relationship on the planet whereby you bring this agape love. I'm gonna love her no matter what. I'm gonna love him no matter what. It's unconditional. He is my best friend. She is my best friend. It's that love that says we are family. We are family and we have this amazing love. And eros, this erotic, romantic love that again converges together. It's the only relationship on the planet where all four loves come together. Marriage, therefore, is a relationship whereby the two become one and together you journey through life and together you face the joys of life and together you face the sorrows of life. Together you face the victories, together you face the challenges. And so the goal of marriage, hear this, the goal of marriage is to build and create a foundation that is unshakable. So when the storms come and come, they will, the family and the home endures. See, Jesus declared this in Matthew 7. He says, storms will come, and that is why your life, your home, your marriage must be built on a rock-solid foundation. If not, he said, he made it clear, your house will fall, and not only will it fall, but great will be that fall. He declared, build therefore, build on the rock of his word so that when the storms come, your house, your marriage, your family, your life, your children will stand. So here's the point. When our world is shaking, in many cases, here's what I know. God is getting the attention, if you will, first of all, of believers. When our world starts shaking, when we start seeing wars and rumors of wars, when things are happening in our life, when storms are coming in our direction and our world starts shaking, God is getting the believer's attention. And what he's saying simply is this, it's time for you to come back to your first love. It's time to come back into worship. It's time to renew your fellowship. It's time to prepare for what's on the horizon. For the non-believer, when the world starts shaking, God is saying this, things are about to get worse. Judgment is on the horizon. Today is the day of salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hear this. It's kind of like when your check engine light comes on. When your check engine light comes on, you have one of two choices. I'm going to ignore it, put a piece of tape on it, and in a couple of months, I'll just spend another $95,000 on that Yugo. If you don't know what Yugo is, don't worry about it. Or you can say, you know what? The check engine light just came on. I need to do something. I need to maybe take it to the mechanic. I need to take it to the shop. I need to find out what's going on. Or this thing is going to really get bad, and I'm going to be left on the side of the road, and then my life will really get worse. The check engine light is coming on, ladies and gentlemen. And the question is this, what are you going to do when you see the warning? Something is not right. Something is broken. Something's about to get worse when that check engine light comes on in your life and in mine. So why is marriage and family being shaken? Let's begin, first of all, with some primary principles that we need to understand about marriage and family. The number one, that marriage is the foundation, first of all, of a healthy family. When marriage occurs as God intended, when marriage occurs as God intended, the rest of the family is blessed. The children are blessed. 
I will argue many ways your finances are blessed. I'll argue many ways that other connections that are important to you are blessed. When a healthy family is happening, then your world, your family, your kids, yourself, your life is blessed. A healthy church is a reflection, number two, of healthy families. When you have healthy families, you have a healthy church. Why? Because they're growing in God's word. They're serving together. They're reaching out as a family. They're doing things as a family. They're worshiping together. They're serving together. They're showing up and praying together. They're doing these amazing things together. And God brings blessing. And thirdly, a healthy society is dependent on healthy families. You've heard it all your life. As the family goes, so goes society. As the family goes, so goes society. Ask yourself a very basic question. Where is our society going today? What is happening in our society today? What is happening in our world? What's happening in our schools, our churches? What's happening in our courtrooms? What is happening? The reality is this, ladies and gentlemen. Here's what we all know. The evil one hates the family. And the evil and the evil one will attack your marriage. Why? Because Satan hates marriage and Satan hates the family. Why does Satan hate marriage? Because it is a parallel of Jesus and his church. We are the bride of Christ. And so Satan hates marriage, Satan hates the family. And because of that, again, there's going to be an attack. Here's an interesting fact. The devil showed up in Genesis after the marriage of Adam and Eve. I'll say that again. The devil showed up in the book of Genesis after the marriage of Adam and Eve. And how he attacked was this, first of all, with doubt. Did God really say that, Adam? I mean, come on, Eve, come on, come on. on. Did God really say that? I mean, you can't believe God. Did he really say that? There was doubt. And second of all, there was denial and deception. Don't believe that. It's not going to happen. You will not die by doing this. You will not surely die. Come on. And then there was this devious intent that led to disaster. And that's how Satan works. In your family, in my family, in your marriage, in my marriage, in your life, in my life. So here's the question. How does one build a foundation that when the storms come, and come they will, when the storms come, the marriage and the family will not be shaken? How do we do that? How do we build a foundation knowing that storms are going to come? And we mentioned all these things a while ago, right? We mentioned, you know, Hurricane Katrina and the Great Flood and the pandemic, but all the other personal storms that only you know about. Those relationships that begin to break down, that heartache you begin to experience, that, that argument, that fight that continues to go on for years and years and years because she doesn't see things the way you do and he doesn't see things the way, things the way you do and that fight continues on all oh, you suppress it. But all it takes is one trigger and now it starts all over again. So how do we have a marriage, a family, a home, a life that we can build that will be unshakable and indestructible. Here are seven foundational pillars we need to all be reminded of that we need to build our marriage on, our life upon, our family on, our home upon, our faith upon. Number one, God's word. There it is. We'll start with God's word. The Bible says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. The grass will wither. 
And the flowers will fade, but the word of God endures forever. Mark, what does that even mean? It means this, that again, there will be those who will come against the word of God. There will be tyrants. There will be, you know, kingdoms. There will be governments that come against the word of God. But after they've been in the dust for thousands of years, the word of God still remains. You see, the word of God's eternal. It will be around long after kingdoms fade and tyrants become dust. The word of God endures forever. The word of God is, first of all, instructional. It gives the blueprint of life. It gives the blueprint of marriage. Here's a basic blueprint of marriage. Number one, between male and female. Between male and female. Whatever five Supreme Court justices may say or may not say, they didn't make up marriage. They didn't create marriage, but God did. He says between male and female, that's it. Understand that's powerful and that's important because ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're living a day and age that once you cross that barrier and you again allow marriage to be between anyone, then guess what's next, guess is what's next on the horizon? Polygamy. There are people today pushing for polygamy. Why not? There's no restrictions. Why can't I have five wives, some men say? And some women are saying, why can't I have five husbands? Or why can't I marry my niece or my nephew or my cousin or my grandma? You see, once you get away from what God has said in the very beginning, one man, one woman, then now the doors fly open for anything. One man, one woman, male and female, created by God, created for God, by God's design. The word of God is very instructional. It gives a very basic blueprint. Here's the point. When you give up the word of God, you give up the blessing of God. When you give up the word of God, you give up the blessing of God. Here's the point. The devil can't defeat you until the devil disarms you. The devil cannot defeat you until the devil disarms you. Jesus, during his temptation, defeated the devil with three scriptures. You know the story. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is being tempted by Satan. And Satan says, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And what about that? And Jesus three times says, it is written, it is written, it is written. In our vernacular, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. As a matter of fact, here's something that we need to be mindful of. The first temptation that Jesus faced was to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. You know the story. Satan says to Jesus, you're hungry, right? I mean, you've been hanging out in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. You haven't had anything to eat. Uh, surely you're hungry. So how about this, Jesus? If you're really the son of God, then why don't you turn these stones into bread? Think about this. Satan's first temptation to Jesus was meet a legitimate need. Jesus, you have an appetite. You have an appetite. You're hungry. Your body is desiring food. So instead of using your power to serve others and to bless God and to show people, why don't you use your power for your own selfish needs? Because after all, you got to eat, right, Jesus? You have appetites, right? So why don't you meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way? And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's the first temptation that comes to all of us, isn't it? Meet a legitimate need. You have appetites. There's something inside of you. 
but meet that legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Jesus dealt with temptation by again quoting the word of God. Also, you find the word of God, the four laws of marriage. Now, we are familiar with the laws of physics, most of us. Gravity, if I jump off, I'm gonna hit the floor. Okay, I'm not floating up, right? We know the laws of the land in many ways, the laws of the road, whatever. Laws are laws. We know that if we break the laws, the laws break us. But most of us have never heard the four laws of marriage. And they're found outlined, if you will, in the passage that we just read a moment ago in Ephesians. The four laws of marriage, and for many of you, this may be review, are simply this. Number one, the four laws of marriage means this. Number one, marriage must be priority. You go, what does that mean? Marriage only works when it's in first place. Now, here is the problem. Here's the temptation that 90%, maybe 95% of all couples deal with. The husband goes, I'm married. The wife goes, I'm married. We're good now. I've got my job, so leave me alone. i got to work. And now my job becomes my priority. And the wife goes, that's fine. I've got a couple of kids. Leave me alone. I'm going to raise the kids because I'm going to be a better mom than my mama was. I'm going to show you what a good mom I am. And now all of a sudden, the kids become the priority. And now what begins to happen is... The job's a priority, the kid's a priority, give him a hobby, give her a hobby, now the hobby's a priority, and now marriage begins to implode. You want to know why? Because marriage only works when it's the priority. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife. Marriage only works when it's priority. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, yes, we're to love our kids. And yes, we're to raise our kids. And yes, we're to work hard and go the extra mile. Absolutely. And pay our bills and all those things. But never at the sacrifice of our marriages. Because ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, marriage is sacred. And here's what I know about many of you. You've told me this, that when your marriage is priority, you do better at your job. You go to work with a better attitude. You're more creative. You're more productive. You're more alert. But when you're fighting at home and you're driving on that interstate and you just had that blow up once again, she always and he never and he never and she always, you're not as productive, you're not as creative. Here's what I also know. Kids don't do well in a battle zone, in a war zone. And they're watching mom and dad and dad and mom and they're in the middle. But when they see mom and dad are crazy about each other and mom and dad's a priority and they know where they fit in, but they feel secure and they feel blessed. You see, marriage only works when you make it the priority, when he, when she is the priority. Marriage must be, number two, must be pure. Nothing comes between the two of you. Marriage must be pure. Nothing comes between you, not another person, not technology, not a hobby. Nothing comes between the two of you. Marriage must be pure. There is a leaving and the cleaving. Thirdly, marriage has the law of pursuit. One of the great problems that so many couples make is this. We stop pursuing each other. We stop telling her how beautiful she is. We stop telling him how glad, how fortunate, how blessed we are to be his wife. We stop the pursuit. I'm going, why do we stop the pursuit? It's because, is it the law of hunting? I got her, so we're good. <laughs> Check that one off. Put up the, kick off the camouflage. I got her. I don't have to look as good, smell as good, be as good, act as good. I got her. I got him. 
No, it's the law of pursuit. You never stop pursuing her. You never stop pursuing him. When she walks by, you should say, whoa. (laughs) It's okay, it's your wife. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you you don't stop pursuing. Fourthly, marriage must be a partnership of love. Marriage must be a partnership of love. To love her, to love him, you're partners together. You're going through life together. The second foundational pillar, real quickly, is God's love. Here's a newsflash. You don't have enough love inside of you on your own to love her the way she needs to be loved. And ladies, you don't have enough love inside of you on your own to love him the way he needs to be loved. You just don't. The only way is to have a supernatural love. And that supernatural love comes from a supernatural God who has created you and who's created marriage. And ladies and gentlemen, hear this. When that happens to you, when you have this supernatural love pouring towards him, pouring towards her, amazing things begin to happen. A love that can only come from God. It is a supernatural love. Also, it requires a supernatural respect. The two primary areas of marriage, according to the word of God, is love and respect. Husbands, love your wives the way Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. Our love is to be sacrificial. Our love is to be patient. Our love is to be like the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And the only way to have that kind of love is to know him and to know his love. Then the word of God says this, and women see to it that you respect your husband. So again, the word of God is saying something that marriage and family therapists have known now for the last several years, that is love and respect are the key ingredients of any marriage. And so guys, you're called to show her love because here's how this works. If we don't show her love, she's not gonna show you respect. And ladies, if you don't show him respect, he's not gonna show you love. And we call that the crazy cycle. You know, she says to you, hey, could you take out the garbage and you know pick up a gallon of milk? And you go, okay, I will. And then you don't. She's going to say, you don't love me. I ask you for two simple things. Take out the garbage, get some milk, and you're not doing either one of them. You don't love me. You you, you don't don't love me. And therefore, I don't respect you. And all of a sudden, he's going, if you don't love me, then if you don't respect me, I don't love you. Well, if you don't love me, I don't respect you. I mean, look at you. I mean, come on. You had that same coat on for the last three days. Hadn't changed it yet. Nor your deodorant. No love, no respect, no respect, no love. We call that the crazy cycle. And now, understand one thing. Everybody gets on the crazy cycle, okay? But here's the goal. To not get on it as often, and when you do get on it, to get off of it faster than you normally would. And that happens when you show her love, and ladies, you show him respect. Real quickly. The third cycle, the third foundational pillar is the gospel of Messiah. Jesus is the Lord of salvation. And when two people are in love with Jesus and two people want to serve him and two people recognize that he is the vine and we are the branches and apart from him, we can do nothing. But with him, we can do all things Then amazing things begin to happen. See, his message is our great hope. In him, there is life. In him, there is joy. In him, there is salvation. Jesus made it clear 
for those who trust, for those who believe, for those who know who I am. He says, I will build my church on the rock that I am the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And when you build your life, your marriage upon that rock, then ladies and gentlemen, the gates of hell will not prevail. The fourth foundation is this. God's church, his community of faith, it gives us, if you will, single or married, it gives, gives us a sense of accountability. It gives us a sense of a time where people pray for us and we're accountable to people and we have biblical instruction and we receive wise counsel and there's a sense of safety and security as a community of faith as we come together with other like-minded believers. A fifth foundational pillar is God's amazing grace. What I know is this, every day of my life, every day of your life, we need grace. We're saved by grace and we're kept by grace. Here's what I know, ladies, about your husband. He needs grace because he really does some goofy things, doesn't he? He can really be a real piece of work, huh? And he needs lots of grace. And men, <laughs> that lady of yours, you love her. She's great. but She needs some grace because she can say things that will cause you to just bite your lip unlike anybody else on this planet. She needs lots of grace. We're saved by grace. We live by grace. And that's why it's called amazing grace. The sixth pillar of marriage is God's wisdom to make godly decisions. See, every day of your life, every day of my life, we have to make decisions. Individually, as a family, as a married couple, we are called to ask for the wisdom of God. And when we ask for the wisdom of God, and God gives us that wisdom, we can make decisions and choices because we're asking the question, what is the wise thing to do? Based on where I've been, where I am, and where I want to go. Not what's the easiest or the cheapest or the less controversial, but what's the wise thing to do? And the seventh foundational pillar is this. God's Holy Spirit filling your life each and every day, sealing you in his salvation, guiding you with his grace and with his mercy and with his love. And when that begins to happen, when you build your family, your marriage, your life on these pillars, this rock, when the storms come, your life, your marriage will be unshakable, indestructible. But also don't forget the warning of Jesus. If you build your house on something else and the storms come and come they will, he said, your house will fall and then great will be that fall. May we pray. Now, Heavenly Father, we pray your blessings upon us as your people called by your name. And God, for many, this was a reminder of what you require from us as your people to build our home, to build our lives, to build our marriages upon the rock of your word that we will be unshakable, indestructible because of who you are and because of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first Sunday of the month, it is our tradition here at Live Oak to celebrate communion. It's open to everybody, by the way. And this is your communion packet. Hopefully you have it with you. If you don't, raise your hand and someone will come in your direction. But raise your hand high so they can see you. And you can celebrate this moment with us. For Jesus took bread on Passover 
And with his disciples, he took some bread that was unleavened, symbolically sinless, bread that was pierced to see if it was done, bread that was striped, again, as it was being prepared, and then a piece of bread that was smacked or slapped and broken. And he said to his disciples, this is my body that is broken for you. And now when you do this, he said, remember me. He then took a cup. In front of each disciple, there were four cups. And Jesus grabbed the cup of redemption. And he said to them, this is my blood of a new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. And now he said, when you do this, I want you to remember me. And he says to us, one day, we'll do this with him and his kingdom as the very bride of Christ with Yeshua Jesus, the groom. There's the parallel. Christ and his church, husband and wife, loving in a way that only God can give. So glad you're here. Let's stand for our closing prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray your blessings upon us. I pray, oh God, you will speak grace and truth to us. Let us build our lives, single or married, up on the rock of your word. Let us build our home, our relationships, our marriage upon your word. So when the storms come, and come they will, our house will stand, will be unshakable. Help us, O oh God, now to remember the words that were taught this day and the words you've taught us to pray, the words of our Lord and Savior. We pray, praying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Give him praise and glory in the house of God.